And that's why I kicked your leg out of your leg. You will rest in peace. Basketballs don't hold grudges. He got a bicycle. Hello, and welcome to the WrestleCube. Cube. That's yeah. good. That's good. Yeah. Fun, fun, uh, fun secret for uh, for our listeners because you won't have heard this, but um, we we already tried recording this once, and the first time was was different. It was indeed. Did I capture? <laughs> Can you feel me in your ears, listeners? Can you feel me? Uh, yes. <laughs> Excellent. <laughs> There you go. I, I believe they can. Um, you. How Excellent. are you doing? Not too bad, man. Good, Just, good, uh, good, good. Living that life. Yep, that yep. Life. Lockdown fun. It's it's, uh, it's great. Uh, but we're we're going to talk about um, Diamond Dallas Page and Brett the Hitman Hart in the next round of the uh, the Wrestle Cube uh, King of Cubedom G One Cube Max. Uh, have I left any out? Put on a suit. No, I don't know. There's there's one more. <laughs> There's G- yeah, King of Cubes, Wrestle Cubed them. Uh, yeah, G1 Cubex. Cube Max. Yeah, I think that's it. Uh, we'll come up with more. This was, time. Uh, uh, the Champions Cube Vanilla. Oh, I like that. Nice, nice. Yeah, that's a nice, nice bit of all Japan there. Lovely. Yeah, yeah, um, good stuff. Yeah, so, um, so yeah, um, I thought we, we watched some matches. Uh, and we talked about Bret Hart and uh, DDP a little bit uh, off air, um, and now we're going to talk to you about them. Um, so, would you like a little breakdown of the both men's careers? I would love one, Thomas. I would love okay. one. Okay, okay. So, first up, we have Bret the Hitman Hart, who was born on the second of July, nineteen fifty-seven. Uh, must say, the second of July, a wonderful birthday. Mm. Um, <laughs> Agreed. Uh, a member of the fam- famous Hart family and the son of Stu Hart. Uh, the uh, famous owner and promoter of Stampede Wrestling in Calgary, Alberta, Canada. Have some uh, he was trained. <laughs> have some discipline. Have some discipline. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if anyone listening is going to get that reference, but I really hope they do. Um, yeah, he was um, trained by his dad and uh, two Japanese wrestlers, uh, Katsuji Adachi, who is also known as Mr. Hito, and uh, Kazui Sakurada, who. Um, Seems to have been a fairly journeyman uh, Japanese performer, uh, but most famous for being the Japanese version of Kendo Nagasaki. Ooh. Now, obviously, the weird thing being that Ke- the original Kendo Nagasaki was not Japanese, was was, was played by a man from Kent. Um, it's weird. The 70s. Do you know, it's good to know that that character uh, was so authentic that there is a Japanese version. <laughs> so weird. So weird. Um, so Bret Hart would debut in Stampede in 1978, uh, partnered with his brother Keith, uh, who uh, some listeners, if you haven't seen any Stampede, you might have seen him at uh, Survivor Series 1993. Um, uh, he obviously famously feuded there with Dynamite Kid uh, before going to WWF in 1984 when Stampede acquired uh, the was acquired by WWF. Uh, initially as Cowboy Bret Hart. Oh, yeah. That's a hell of yeah. a name. Yeah, Um, and then obviously part of part of the Hart Foundation after that, uh, winning Mm. two tag team titles alongside Jim the Anvil Neidhart, uh, one as heels and one later as baby faces. Uh, He'd go uh, he'd go solo in 1991, winning the IC title from Mr. Perfect, um, and then feuding with the Mountie, Rowdy Riddy Piper, and the British Bulldog. uh, The latter two obviously yielding some pretty memorable matches at. WrestleMania 8 and SummerSlam 1992, respectively, which we'll talk about in a bit. My childhood is um, tingling. You said yeah. that. I was just like, whoa, geez, flashbacks. Fun fact about fun fact about the Mountie, um, oh, yeah. other than the fact that he, apparently he's a bit of a cunt. Um, <laughs> <laughs> allegedly. Um, uh, the um, the music from the Mountie is, uh, his entrance music, uh, is my daughter's favourite nursery rhyme. Oh, that's really good. I thought you were going to yeah. say his music is the entrance to Due South. I wish. Oh, what a show that was. Yeah, that was a good, that was a good oh. show for all you younglings. Well, check that out. Learn something. Amazon Prime. Yeah, educate yourselves. Yeah. Damn it. It's a... Uh, I, I, I'm scared to go back and watch it, though, because it, it was such a pivotal part of my childhood. I worry that it will be really crap now. Most likely it's terrible. 
<laughs> yeah. That, that's I mean, it is about a mountain who moves a mountain who moves to Chicago. I mean, it's, it's it might have limited appeal. Possibly. <laughs> yeah, um, maybe. Anyway, right. So we're up to 1992. He won the uh, first of his five WWF uh, World Heavyweight Championships, uh, beating Ric Flair uh, in Saskatoon, Saskatchewan, Canada. I don't know why I always remember that, but I do. Um, he Big would be Saskatoon. essentially a main eventer. And, oh yeah, uh, a main eventer and carried the company uh, on his back pretty much uh, until 1997, uh, having major feuds with Yokozuna, his brother Owen Hart. Diesel, The Undertaker, and more. Um, obviously, there was the heel turn in 1997, the formation of the Hart Foundation, the stable rather than the tag team. Uh, although, confusingly, it also featured Jimmy Anvil Neidhart. Um, yeah. Then Montreal happened. I don't think I need to really elaborate on that. I think we, I think we should do a whole podcast, a whole podcast series. No, I'm joking. Please. No, no, no more. No. <laughs> Put no it more. to bed. Build a bridge and get over it. It's asleep. Um, it's in bed. Yeah. Um, so after that, obviously, he had a largely pretty disastrous run uh, in WCW. Uh, large, most used, unfortunately, mostly as a mid-carder. Um, he would win the WCW title in uh, for his first of two uh, in late 1999, when they finally decided to capitalize on his, you know, his star power, um, winning the title of Mayhem. But then he would suffer a career-ending injury. Uh, Starkade 1999, followed by a series of concussions. Uh, after that, um, in, a, in a really short space of time. Um, Thanks, Goldberg. Yeah. It's not great. Yeah. It's not great. Um, he did briefly return to the ring in 2010, of course, um, uh, <laughs> for the, that ill-fated feud with, uh, with Winterman and the most <laughs> uncomfortable WrestleMania match I've ever seen. <laughs> that was a very silent room, if I remember correctly, Thomas. I think we were um, all like, what the hell is this? <laughs> Why would it stop? <laughs> it was just an old man assaulting a slightly older man. Ooh, I don't want it. I, I, I wouldn't mind, but this was this was at like three o'clock in the morning. During the day, we'd been bowling. We'd been to the pub. We'd had a lovely time. We came back day. to my house. We we watched WrestleMania, and it was all going well until they sucked the air out of not only the room we were in, but apparently the entire stadium because it was just really awkward. It was, uh, awkward and yeah. long. He did, however, return to the ring later that year, uh, briefly winning the US title from The Miz, uh, which I forgot about. What an accomplishment. Um, yeah. Um, and he would also be part of um, one of the least well-remembered uh, main events in WWF history, or WWE history, in, that, in fact, um, as uh, uh, the WWE team took on The Nexus at uh, SummerSlam 2010. Oh, um, yes. The Nexus. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, that's oh man that's a um, long time ago <laughs> yeah yeah uh but yeah so that that's bret hart in a nutshell uh, quite a large nutshell because it's quite an accomplished career um and his opponent in the opposite corner uh is diamond dallas page self-high-fiving so, himself uh born in april 1956 so about the same age as bret hart mm. um trained by jake the snake roberts and i can't imagine that training was anything to write home about <laughs> But he's not on the physical side. Anyway. I can imagine it was like the dodgeball thing. Like, if you can dodge a wrench, you can dodge a ball. I can imagine he's just yeah. <laughs> shooting guns um, at him, making him dodge bullets. Doing all sorts his of crazy Wikipedia stuff. lists him as largely being trained by the people at the power plant, which uh, I believe. Okay. Um, but yeah, um, so he was a manager and a commentator after he broke into the business in the late 80s until the early 90s. Um, he debuted in Ring, age 35, in 1991. So we still have um, time, Thomas. I mean, we just about. Just about. <laughs> um, and, um, yeah, he, uh, he he basically wrestled as an undercard wrestler in WCW for a number of years while also still training at the power plant, still improving, uh, had forgettable TV title runs and feuds with the likes of Johnny B. Bad and the uh, often forgotten... Uh, uh, persona of uh, Ed Brutus the Barber Beefcake Leslie, the Booty Man. Oh Lord! <laughs> <laughs> yes, nice. The Booty Man. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, Add so to my own heart. The Booty Man. Uh, the Booty Man. The Booty Man. <laughs> I can't That's stop they, the Booty Man. That's what they call me, Thomas. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, yeah. I will say. I will say. In the defense of the Booty Man. 
Uh, and this is the only thing the only thing I can find in, and maybe that will be our show title for today in defense of the booty man. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah, perfect. <laughs> I'm, I'm writing that down. I'm writing that down. Um, the only thing I will say is they did give him the a, a, a fine, fine pun as uh, the name of his finisher, which what was, was a, a knee to the face called the high knee. That's really good. That's really good. <laughs> I actually think that's quite good. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm into that. It's the only good thing about the booty man. But, this is um, a guy uh, who it took like 15 years to get the Hugh Morris joke. <laughs> I, it took me so because long. Because he's funny. <laughs> no laughing matter. Yeah. Uh, so, right. It. So moving on. Um, despite the, the terrible work that he was doing, well, the p- terrible people he was wrestling, um, DDP did start to get noticed and the fans started to notice that he was improving. And the company took notice. He's Throughout 1996, he started to be elevated a bit more. Uh, he won the Battle Bowl uh, Lord of the Ring ring that he had on his finger for a little while and feuded with people over. Um But 1996, 1997, he would start to, with the entrance of the NWO into WCW um, and his former partners and charges uh, in the form of um, uh, Scott Hall and uh, Kevin Nash, uh, would start to get involved with him. Uh, He would feud with the NWO and that elevated him massively. He began to be taken Mm. seriously uh, and basically became a huge star from there. I mean, you've got... The program with Savage with Rand, Macho Man Randy Savage, which again we'll get onto, but it was a massive thing for DDP. Um, he would be in feuds with, in 1997 and 1998 over the US title with the likes of Raven, Chris Benoit, uh, the NWO in general, um, and several others. Uh, big pay per view main events as well in 1998 uh, alongside Karl Malone against <laughs> um, uh, Hulk Hogan and. Um, uh, Dennis Rodman. Um, oh my lord! Yes, th- that did happen. Yep, it featured recently on the, uh, of course, on the uh, the Chicago Bulls Netflix documentary, uh, The Last Dance. Oh yeah, and uh, and you'll notice um, yeah, in one of our previous uh, <laughs> podcast episodes that he makes an appearance in a Baywatch episode for about twenty five frames. <laughs> what a time! What a time to be alive! What a time was. to be alive! Um, he also. He also uh, tagged with uh, Jay Leno against Eric Bischoff and Hulk Hogan at Road Wild 1998. I'm on this to stop. I'm on this to stop now. Yeah. Okay. We'll get on to the series. But he was a big star, right? So he was then uh, in main, uh, the main event at Halloween Havoc against Goldberg for the world title coming up short. Uh, but he would eventually win the world title in uh, Spring Stampede 1999 uh, on in the main event of arguably the last good WCW pay-per-view. Oh, we should we should, a really we should do that. We should do that because it's all shit after that. What we should probably do is review that, and then also go uh, a, a year later and review either the 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 same event a year later, or just for the hell of it, go and review New Blood Rising. Oh yeah, yeah. I I mm, I think we should. I think we should do. Do you know what I really want to do as well? I want to watch that random episode of Nitro when um what was his face. Vince Russo came out and started talking all of this craziness to Hulk Hogan, and he just kind of leaves. He's just like, "I'm done." <laughs> oh, you're, no, you're, you're thinking of uh, Bash of the Beach 2000? Oh, was that actually? Oh, it was a pay per view. Yep, uh, and it was all it was all planned except that he called okay. Hogan, Hogan a walking piece of shit, and Hulk Hogan took exception to that, and then actually went home for real. Yeah, okay, yeah, because he seemed generally pissed off. <laughs> I mean, yeah, yeah, it, it, and probably quite rightly to be honest. Yeah, <laughs> like, true. <laughs> um, yeah. You don't pay me um, enough for this. Actually, wait, you do. <laughs> so, back to DDP after yeah. a um, after a, a short uh, uh, three world title runs. Uh, the first two of those in in uh, in 1999, uh, he slipped out down the card and was part of the Jersey Triad with Canyon and Big Bamba Bigelow. Um, didn't that do a happens. lot for the rest of them. Yeah. Uh, they were quite good, to be fair, um, for for 1999 mid card WCW. It was very dull, but they were they were quite good in the ring. Um, and then uh, yeah, the Millionaires Club angle in 2000, the whole David Arquette thing. Uh, he won a world title in the middle of all that. Um, and the last really thing thing of note he did in WCW really was in a tag team with Kevin Nash called the Insiders. <laughs> <laughs> It's just, it beggars oh, belief. It really it's does. The sound of a shark like, jumping. No wonder that company went out over WCW. <laughs> um, yeah. Um, so 
yeah, he uh, he would go to WWE after the buyout in 2001, and it's all it's all bad after that. Really, there was the stalker angle with the Undertaker. There was the his character positively Page. Oh God, uh, I remember, remember that. Yeah, jeez. Yeah, it was short and bad. Um, but he uh, he got a neck injury in 2002 and essentially retired, barring a few sporadic returns to TNA. Uh, later WWE on the odd occasion, and AEW. Um, he's probably more notable, really, for what he's done since outside the ring with his yoga business and all the stuff with helping Scott Hall and Jake Roberts get back to uh, a healthy place after serious substance abuse issues. Um, and, yeah, I mean, he seems like an all-round pretty nice guy. Um, mm, but, that seems yeah. like a cool dude. Um, yeah. Um, now, those CVs are quite different. Mm, very. <laughs> Um, but let's let's talk about some matches with them, I guess. Um, let's do it. So let's get into we watched, it. We watched five matches in total, and some of them are going to be more worth talking about than others. We'll start with the one that is not really worth talking about massively, uh, which is Bret Hart versus TDP, uh, which in theory would be a lovely crescendo to all of this, but the match itself was a bit of a stinker, if I'm honest. Yeah, that match sucked. It sucked I've got a, the proverbial ass. I've got a few notes. Um, mm, that let's I, hear it. I will... Um, I will pour out to you. Uh, Bret Hart's music, uh, I noted, uh, I believe is the menu music from the Thunder PS1 game. <laughs> I, have a, I have a similar note that just says Bret Hart's music is terrible. <laughs> I'm almost certain that that is the music from, from the Thunder game. I, I, I think you're right. Um, we should, yeah, we, also, have, we have to have a look at that. Uh, DDP's uh, bang t-shirt which is so funny um, it, it does it did bring back a flood of childhood memories though seeing that I was like oh wow that is uh, that is really something that I, I, I had forgotten about entirely um, and also yeah and I, I also uh, I watched it on the network oh sorry go on no, I watched this on the network and yep yep go go Okay, <laughs> I, I watched this. On, it's ridiculous. Um, I watched this on the network, um, and I think we're making the same point, which is that uh, he was over massive during his entrance. Uh, oh, hell the music yeah. on the network, I stopped the network stream and went and watched his entrance on uh, Daily Motion because I wanted to get a real feel for how over he is. Because unfortunately, the network don't have the rights to his music. And, uh, Very. Um, but yeah, God, he's so over. Yeah, it's people incredible. are freaking out, and um, yeah, I, I watched the Daily Motion stream, so um, <laughs> I still wonder how they got away with such a such a ripoff of of Smells Like Teen Spirit. I, I mean, don't know how like that happened. Yeah, it's just like this is this is literally just co- a copyright infringement. But he's so over, and he's kind of like an aging. He looks like uh, the lost member of Metallica or something, or lost member of Megadeth. Yeah. <laughs> out there, um, yeah, I loved it. I loved the at it least was, that part of it. Yeah, the actual match was a bit flat. Um, I thought that. It didn't help that they they were main eventing a show that had World War Three on earlier in it, so it had three <laughs> rings. It it just looks weird. It looked goofy, uh, man, and the camera angles were so far away because they can't get close to the ring yeah. and they can't get certain angles properly. Yeah, yeah, and uh, Brett Brett Hart. <sighs> You know, if you pardon the pun, he didn't look like his heart was really in this. <laughs> also, heel Bret Hart makes like me a, feel sad. <laughs> WCW Bret Hart looks like sadness. It's just sadness. Yeah. <laughs> that oh, said, God. that said, I think that uh, one take I did take away from this is that no matter what, when he does it, Bret Hart's ring post figure four is one of the most beautiful things I've ever seen. Uh, yeah, it, I, it warms my heart every time. No, it's good um, And. The stuff at the end with the NWA referee was super weird. That was so dumb. I was, well, what is up with uh, WCW and all of their stupid screwy finishes? They just can't (laughs) make shit end normal. It wasn't good. Yeah. um, It wasn't good. Um, Oh, also one one other thing. um, And then uh, that's all my notes really for this. That I really, of the things I've written down that really are worth saying. Um, That DDP performed probably the worst sharpshooter i've ever seen <laughs> and it made it made the rock sharpshooter look like fucking ricky chotu like it was the worst <laughs> i said he hits him with the rock level sharpshooter terrible horrible that's my note it was just it, it, it does it makes it makes the rock look like freaking stew heart or something i don't know like it's so effing it, bad it was 
so bad. Oh, God, that, yeah, that was um, And so was his figure four, like, um, uh, when he did it to Bret Hart. That was just yeah. randomly hanging off the floor and it kind of held it for like all of three I, seconds because it sucks so hard. <laughs> I've written down Bret Ho- Bret, Bret's ring post figure four is a thing of beauty. DDP's not so much. <laughs> Oh uh, yeah, I mean the match was okay, uh, but the commentators as well needed to relax because they were just like, oh, like I thought Shivani was having a continuous orgasm. He was on eighteen. You know <laughs> yeah, it was a bit much, and you know what? Like, it's a funny thing that watching this that match, I suddenly thought, like, there was no hope for these guys. The crowd would were massively deflated because they just watched a fucking sixty man battle royal in three rings. So. Of course, that going on last as the main event, a random US title match was going to be going to yeah. deflate. There was no energy. The crowd was no one give a flying. Dead. Uh, so it's unfortunate, and I, I I feel like maybe we shouldn't really consider this too much when we make our deliberations. Here nah, because, this um, was just a thing that happened. Yeah, yeah. Um, so on to better matches. I think um, let's do DDPs first because I think they'll take less time. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, so DDP versus Macho Man Randy Savage from uh, Spring Stampede uh, is something that I remember very, very clearly from watching as a kid. Mm. Um, it's a mental brawl. Like, the whole thing is yeah, absolutely yeah. nuts. And it, the energy is so, like, late 90s. It is... Um, yeah, the I remember watching that match. Out. The oh, yeah. God, they are, aren't they? So, it's such a hot crowd. Yeah. Like, and the chemistry between the two of them is great, mostly because Macho Man is a fucking lunatic. And DDP <laughs> is trying to match him. Yeah, the Macho Man looks like there's a part where he's like walking. I think he's walking to the ring, and then someone touches him. And I generally thought he was going to lamp him. And I think he goes back and kicks the guy in the head later on, mm. like sneakily kicks the dude in the head. He does. <laughs> so I'm like, whoa, Macho Man's oh, out here. Like, um, yeah, like um, there were some some things I've written down that that were I thought were ridiculous. Um, like Macho Man, just like I love how I, I forget how much of an absolute like like nutter he is in, in at this point in his career. Like just power driving the referee. Why? Just because he could. Yeah. Like it's so weird. <laughs> and he just starts whipping him and just doing all of the, all of this crazy stuff. I wrote power driving a ref is extreme, and then whipping him. It really this is, is. Some shit. This is some heel ass heel stuff. <laughs> I I uh, I did make a note as well. I thought. Um, uh, the uh, DDP uh, something I noticed in this match, and I, I like I forget at the, t- at the time as well. Mostly because I think as kids we used to take the piss out of it, but actually oh, yeah. it is really good. It, he does have a really good discus lariat. Oh, he does, yeah, it's awesome. Like, it's really good. And I don't know why we used to take, rip the piss out of it so much as kids. I think because we knew somebody who did it really badly <laughs> um, and continuously. <laughs> yes. <laughs> so that, that might be why. <laughs> but. but um, it's so good. Yeah. You know what the thing I liked about uh, about it, and and the way he does his moves in general. There's like a way DDP drops to the floor, mm. the same momentum as his opponent, and and it, it kind of looks cool and makes like a an awesome sound. So he does it with a lariat, and he does it kind of a lot of his moves that kind of fall to the ground. He kind of somehow mm. matches his momentum the way he falls with everyone else. Yeah, it looks awesome. It's, it's so um, it's so unorthodox, you know. Yeah. Like it's- it's 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 you don't nobody else moves like that, and I don't know whether that's a good thing or a bad thing, but it works for him. Yeah. Oh, um, <laughs> so I just remember the random thing <laughs> about the commentary with Dustin Rose. Like, brother, he got he got over T Kid. You know what I'm talking about? And <laughs> and then Tony Schiavone goes, "I know exactly what you're talking about." And it's like, no, <laughs> no, I don't. I don't know what the fuck you're talking. About. <laughs> oh God, that cracked me up. <laughs> um, I also, yeah, uh, at one point, Macho Man just, just slapping David Penza was lovely. Yeah. Uh, I mean, this was just really fun. I really enjoyed this. Uh, I don't know whether it was the best showcase for DDP in the world, but I, it certainly, he this was like a next level thing. You could tell from the beginning that it was like a star making thing right from yeah, his entrance. Yeah. And the pop for the diamond cutter at the end was fucking enormous. Yeah, people like, just went crazy. crazy. Yeah, it's like um, the, the roof was going to explode. Um, but yeah, like I thought that was that was great. Um, also, I, I know like I know this isn't really related to the DDP thing that we're supposed to be talking about, but just a weird observation. Did you not think it was really strange that they just had fireworks go off at the beginning for no reason? 
Yeah, I didn't even notice. Yeah, no, that's. I believe I that was... all the time back in the day, right? <laughs> 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 In the middle of the match, just like, oh, it's, it's top of the it's hour. Oh, hey. <laughs> uh, you know what made me laugh? Nick Patrick with his fucking roadhouse mullet. Oh, my God. He's, he, he cracked me up in this. I was just like, that's not aged well at all, but it was so funny. <laughs> and another oh, thing that cracked um, me up. Oh, sorry, go on, man. No, no, that was it. I was done. Uh, no, uh, another thing that cracked me up was okay. So the it, like the NWO comes out and they all start walking down, and I was just like, "Man, this is so fucking stupid." Like, I don't, yeah. just like everything about this is so dumb. But <laughs> the thing that made me laugh the most was like they're being led by Eric Bischoff, who looks like a, you know a suave corporate asshole wearing a leather blazer. <laughs> Like why? Why is he wearing a leather blazer? Does it just is it a way of making him look like a, a corporate biker man or something? I mean, the whole thing was just ridiculous. Yeah. All of that it stuff so at the end. He was cool. He was cool. All of that stuff at the end was just so it, more screwy WCW nonsense. I mean, I loved it. I loved it. I'm not gonna lie. Like that's my bread and butter. But like, you look back on it now, and it's like, guys, you can you don't have to. Not, not everything has to have some screw job, screwy nonsense in it, but. I guess that was the style at the time. I, I I did think this was probably pretty a pretty good example of a good D, DDP match though, because yeah. like a lot of his matches were very much like this. It was all a bit crazy. Yeah, um, and, and he's the underdog. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah, totally. And he plays the the people's champion, uh, as it were, like you know, pretty well. Like he's the the underdog that he's the crowd favorite every time because he's a scrappy brawler, and he looks. He does all these weird moves. Yeah. Watching this as, as well, remember we, we mentioned about John Moxley being, you know, a bit of a DDP, more like, you know, he got compared to Stone Cold, I guess, but he's he's so DDP. Now, oh, I, yeah. I no, I, I, you mentioned this on a previous podcast, yeah. and I, I like, I, I agreed with you, but I saw it so much more here. Yeah. Like, I, I, it, it, the way he moves being so weird and kind of like, it, it's unlike anybody else. It is 100% John Moxley was the person I thought of. Yeah, yeah. Um, that's a really good point. But yeah, what, I mean, what did you think of the match overall? <laughs> overall, it was pretty good. Um, it was a, a pretty, yeah. Like, I mean, I don't know if at the time I remember. So I remember buying uh, in late two, late 2000, early 2001, buying uh, a series of VHSs from Woolworths. Uh, of, <laughs> Uh, All right. Best of WCW shortly before they went out of business, um, and uh, this w- the best of Spring Stampede was one of them, and this was on there. And I do recall this being something I watched over and over again. And it's not aged quite as well, but overall, yeah, it was it was pretty good. And DDP looks like really looked the part in this. Like he looked like a main eventer, which was yeah, it was superb. It was great to just see how hyped the crowd was. Like, it just reminded me just yeah. how insane that time was of WCW. And it's, it still makes me sad that they couldn't, I don't know, exist a couple years later. But such is life. Yeah, yeah. Um, the other match we watched, obviously, uh, was uh, Sting versus DDP from uh, uh, Nitro in 1999. Oh, uh, um, yeah. What my do you first, think about that? My first note is this is bad WCW. I can tell from the logo. Because <laughs> I was like, yeah, uh. yeah, this- <laughs> it's the big like this is a good match. This is actually a good match, but the beginning of the just I could tell this is during the beginning of the end. One of the things I noticed about this is how awesome DDP looks like. What shape he's in. He like oh, yeah. he's in amazing shape all of a sudden. Oh, okay, that makes sense. Because he looks younger. And I'm like, wait, I swear this is um this is uh, later, but um, yeah, this was a great match. Um, the, you know, there was a lot of back and forth stuff, and you know, um, what, one thing that made me laugh was the, the, the you know, after Sting did the kind of crotch headbutt, uh, I think Tony Giovanni <laughs> or something said headbutt city, and then in my head I went bitch. but um yeah that tombstone um uh it was it was really cool but then there was like a tombstone um kick out uh that happened near the end and it was kind of maybe one too many kickouts and you could tell the crowd was kind of like um pissed off uh but then yeah there was kind of the scorpion death drop uh, drop for the three and it was a good match it was more reminded me how good sting was than it did (laughs) remind me how good tdp was i was like man sting's really fucking good (laughs) so like sting had been off off tv since uh until like a few weeks before this he'd been off tv since uh the previous november and this would have been like april or so um and he'd obviously 
I, I don't know whether this is around the time that he found God or what, like there was a whole thing, uh, but he came back in really good shape and like, like just really seemed really motivated and really like at the top of his game. Um, it didn't last, but there was a period there where, in 1999 where, you know, he was absolutely superb. Um, I've written a few notes down. Uh, I also noted the thing about the headbutt uh, that uh, that spot is always weird. Um, like, <laughs> Sometimes like, you just put your head in someone's dick, man. It is what yeah. it is. Um, I also, I thought Sting looked amazing in his white boots. Yeah, yeah. Uh, it turns out I found out since that actually, uh, apparently all that happened is, is that he put tape on his boots. Uh, well, you know, some people buy new boots, some people tape up their boots. It's, <laughs> so, it's, that's, that's fine. It's called frugality. Um, yeah, I thought um, it did, It did. comparing this to the other match, it did make me think that it's a bit of a shame that they turned DDP heel because actually he was so over as a, a face in the other match. And in this match, he was. And it didn't work. Yeah. The, like, no. it was just, he does, he's not a heel. No. <clears throat> it didn't work at all. It was horrible. Um, odd choice. Um, weirdly, um, I thought, yeah, Sting doing a fucking Ganso bomb, like the like pile, like like what looked like a normal pile driver, but you dropped to your knees, mm. was fucking weird. Uh, <laughs> the tombstone, I agree, was too much, and the crowd were not happy. Um, they did go apeshit for Sting winning, which was great. Yeah, they um, did. They, they 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 recovered right at the end. But what is weird though is, so I watched the rest. Of, I watched a bit more of that show because I thought this was going to be the main event. Uh, it wasn't. What was the name? Uh, later in that same show, Sting faced off with DDP, uh, Kevin Nash, and somebody else, uh, and DDP won back the title in the same. Uh, bad WCW, bad, bad, yes. bad WCW. It's uh, you know what? I'm going to quote the last match. I'm going to quote Tony Schiavone for the last match about this. For God's sake, what purpose does this serve? What have we become? <laughs> <laughs> Existential Tony, <laughs> wondering what company he he works for. So uh, there you go. Thankfully, thankfully that um, we won't have to talk about WCW again today. Thank you. Um, Thank so you that's good. Um, we'll move on to Bret Hart now, um, uh, because yeah, I think I think uh, the two matches we're going to talk about are both um, bloody excellent for different reasons. Very good. Um, so the first, let's go chronologically because I feel like it probably makes yeah. the most sense. Um, so we've got uh, Bret the Hitman Hart versus the British Bulldog from SummerSlam 1992. Have you got any memories of this sort of time? This, I remember. Uh, this is this is prime. This is when I was like, as a kid, my first phase of loving wrestling. This was like probably the peak of um, of it. I remember watching this on TV and just being blown away. And you know what? <clears throat> it's funny. The biggest memory I had from as as a kid about this match was how big the crowd was, and then I see it again, and it's like, yo, the crowd was just as big as I remembered. Like I had never, yeah. like I know we've had higher numbers, but for some reason, it just looks like there's a million people in there. And I remember just being so excited because this is like, this is in London, this is in this is in England, this is happening. Like this is um, like you know the biggest thing ever. Um, and yeah, what a great match. Um, British Bulldogs braids were mm, fantastic. Uh, I just want to put that out there. Like my man was out here, <laughs> but what what, what what memories do you have at this time? Because I um, yeah, man. I know similarly, man. Like yeah. it was around the time I was, <clears throat> I was watching. We we got cable earlier that year, uh, and prior to that, I had watched a bit of wrestling through like various friends who had like V eight to the VHS tapes and stuff at school. But like I'd never seen anything live. So this was, I think, this was actually the first live event I'd watched like on TV. Uh, on Sky Sports, so yeah, we had a party a as well, way. and we watched it on like, Sky Sports because oh, really? we got Sky as well. So we were having a party. I think it just coincided with this, and all the kids were sat around watching it. Like it was such a huge event. <laughs> it's just yeah, it felt like such a big deal at the time, and like yeah, like it's it's incredible, and uh, uh, yeah, it, it really the like nothing will ever come close to that in this country no in terms way. of wrestling i don't think um so yeah yeah like very strong memories of this time uh, and this is one of the things that hooked me into wrestling i think really was this this time period um because brat hart was my favorite uh as well which so it was i was a bit conflicted um uh because i knew everyone would be really happy if the british bulldog won but i really wanted brat hart to win because yeah. uh, well I, I wasn't really raised to feel myself as british uh, and <laughs> <Good> uh, also <laughs> <laughs> I really liked Bret Hart because he seemed like he was cool. And the British Bulldog braids aside, 
I wanted him to win because he had because he had braids and he was so hench. And I'm like, yeah, yeah, I'm <laughs> this guy. Obviously, of course, this show also uh, early the very opening of the show uh, has one of the the most iconic moments in wrestling history, uh, where uh, people were being asked outside the arena who they thought was going to win, and a small girl turned around and said, uh, "The British Bulldog is going to win, whether he wants to or not." Wow. <laughs> Like a threat, <laughs> she, as she packed or uh, packed, you know, started to put together a, her rifle and make yeah. her way to to the clock like, tower. It's <laughs> wonderful, um, but yeah, on to the match itself. Uh, so obviously, this was headlining the show. Um, I, I've, I have a few notes about this, um, and I, I was I, we, we talked about this over over WhatsApp a few days ago. But um, mm. there are other messaging apps available. Yes, it's fine. Um, but yeah, um, we talked about this a little bit, and I said I, I don't didn't really need notes for this. I have written some down, but because uh, this match is imprinted into my memory, <laughs> move for move, I watched it so many times. Um, but there was still every time there are there are new things that I noticed that I I, 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 I take on board, and this this was a uh, it was great. Um, I loved the storyline with the whole you know family feud. That was, yeah. uh, despite despite Diana's acting, good lord, the woman cannot act. Um, and yeah, I liked also, I didn't realize at the time because I remember the British Bulldog being such a big deal over here, obviously, mm. for obvious reasons. Um, when they came out, Bret Hart was all the pop was almost as big, yeah. I mean, Bret, he was the man, it was Bret Hart, it was his time. He was my he was one of my favorite wrestlers at that time. Um, uh, I can't remember, was Hulk Hogan had he left by now? So Hulk Hogan left shortly after WrestleMania 8 and would return uh, in January 1993. So he okay, wasn't cool. around for this period. Yeah, yeah. So I remember this. Um, Hulk Hogan was still my favourite. But um, actually, no, I think this is actually probably the time when I was just properly starting to get into wrestling. So I don't even know how how aware I was of Hulk Hogan at the time. I can't remember. But yeah, anyway, <laughs> digression. Sorry, guys. <laughs> yeah, it's, no, no, yeah it's, it's good context, man. Like, I, I think um, so... Uh, yeah, I mean, they both look like the biggest stars in the world. Um, I there were a few things like Brett is so crisp here as well. His oh, offense yeah. is like, and like he's he's just his punches are so so crisp, and everything he does, like it's it's just this is him at the beginning of the peak of his powers. Like the peak of his powers would last until late nineteen ninety seven, but like there's like a, a good five and a half year period there where he is the best in the world. But you know what, the British Bulldog is really good. <laughs> well, he's like really good. <laughs> I thought that, but then I watched bits of this, and there is quite a lot of Bret Hart uh, carrying him after the first sort of five ten minutes. Okay, um, largely if you believe what was it what was written in um, the in Bret Hart's book, because uh, the Bulldog had been uh, not working out or planning for this or anything. <laughs> Apparently, allegedly, he had been off uh, smoking crack with um, with Jim Neal Park for about. Well, a Thomas, I uh, didn't see this taking this kind of turn. <laughs> <laughs> that's not where i thought that story was going <laughs> god damn so he may have been a little out of shape that got real spicy uh, real quick Jeez, you know what he does seem yeah. at the ending right there's some like there is actual genuine emotion in that ring like oh yeah definitely. there's genuine real human emotion and it's lovely but he seems kind of out of it <laughs> i think he is he is out of it but sounds of things um but yeah, like I loved um, Bret Hart again, showing like a versatility that you don't, I don't often think about with him because he is, you know, a lot of his his work is quite like distinctive. But being able, despite being a babyface, being able to play like a really subtle heel here, I thought yeah. he did so well. I've got, I've got, I've like, got the note Bret doing heel shit because he was and, kind and of really yeah. well though, and yeah. just treading that line really finely of being like a really good heel, but like not turning heel. Yeah, like it's 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 an art. It's I like for this say, evening, like, I am the bad guy because clearly, yeah, yeah. Well, yeah, yeah, and it makes sense. Why wouldn't he be? Like, and it, like, and like, it, but it, it was so many like little dick moves, and I, I just loved it. Like a little elbow yeah. here, a little a little stump on the foot here. Like I just I, like yeah, like banging him into the ring post and stuff like that. Yeah. Um, yeah. Do you know what? You um, know what annoyed me, and I didn't think it would. Uh, was it? It's, it was Bobby uh, the Brain Heenan, right? He was on commentary with Vince, right? Yeah. When he was like, "What are these limeys booing for?" and I was like, "Hey, suck a dick, motherfucker! <laughs> <laughs> Shut the fuck up!" Like, 
you're relaxed. I mean, I think he was probably playing his part, but also, yeah, like in, in a match like this, it's, it's not actually that helpful to have him doing the comedic stuff. Yeah, no, um, it just didn't work. I was like, you. Yeah, anyway, it was pissing me off. Um, I, I will say, I think that's the only time I've ever seen someone kick out of um, Bulldog's power bomb, uh, power slam as well. Like, I don't recall seeing that before or since then. Mm, I didn't realize it was such cool. a. Um, you know, such a, uh, what you call a sacred finisher. Sort of protected, yeah. yeah, like, yeah. I, don't, I don't know. Um, also, I, I, I wrote down two things about, about uh, uh, I mean, the finish is beautiful. Out of yeah. nowhere, but it's brilliant, right? Mm. And they both look like megastars coming out of it, which is great. Yeah, they do. There were two things in the last few minutes. So Brett starts doing his, his sequence that he we all know, you know, he does the elbow drop off the, off the, top, off the middle rope and the rest of it, uh, that you've seen a million times, but that you always still looks great. Then he did a German suplex in 1992 in WWF. Like, what? <laughs> that was weird. It's the excellence of execution, man. You know, sometimes I, you I, pull out the good stuff. I can't remember how many times I've seen them uh, put that uh, that superplex spot uh, as well in slow motion on the uh, on like highlights videos. And stuff. Oh, yeah, yeah, it's, yeah. That's like an iconic spot. Um, yeah. And um, yeah, like I just, yeah, it was such a good match and it still holds up now. Uh, which, yeah, no, yeah. it really does. And that crowd, it's the crowd. It's like, it feels like, it feels like the, the main event of like the biggest boxing match ever or something like that. You know what I mean? It's such, it's so, um, it just feels like monumental. And maybe it's the bias of us, you know, being from here and everything. But I think it looks mm. like one of the biggest things that, it's one of the biggest WWE things I've ever seen since or before you know like you know what i mean like it, it just yeah. seems monumental um but maybe it might be the bias um well one I of mean, the things sorry go it, it, it is legitimately uh until 2016 it was the the largest legitimate uh crowd they've ever they ever had at a show yeah um because the 93,000 from wrestlemania 3 uh largely was an inflated figure because they wanted to outsell the pope um, in the same stadium, <laughs> and it was close to the seventy-six. So yeah. actually, like it, it, until quite recently, it was the largest legitimate uh, audience attendance figure at something like yeah, nearly ninety thousand people. See, that's crazy. Imagine getting uh, on the tube from Wembley. Oh, that would have been that. long. And back in them days as well. Yeah, ninety thousand people. <laughs> no thanks. Um, yeah, one one thing I also noticed is like Vince is such a friggin' carnival barker. He's blah 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 blah. He's oh, yeah. got one tone. He's the worst. I mean, no, he's not the worst. This he, his he his commentary was, you know, I guess you could say revolutionary or whatever. Oh, it's time. He built over show. But goddamn, I oh blah 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 blah. Okay, okay, I will say. His commentary was very of its time, right? So yeah. it was very appropriate for the sort of wrestling that's happening then. And do you know what's nice? It's nice to be able to say the phrase uh, of its time without referring to basically someone being racist. Because <laughs> it's so rare that you get to do that anymore. Uh, it was of its time. You know? <laughs> yeah, like, like it, feel, it feels like that's all that's ever used for is something that's wildly offensive. That you go, yeah, I, I guess it was of its time. It was of its Whereas time. This is just... Know. This is more legitimately, it was just appropriate for the time. Yeah. As opposed to, I mean, I'm sure, I, I'm not going to say anything about whether Vince may or may not have been a massive racist. And, you know, who could, yeah. uh, <laughs> that's not a legal fight I want. So, no. Nope. Uh, yeah. All, all uh, can afford. Oh, good Lord, no. Good Lord, no. Um, yeah. Uh, so, I just a wonderful match. Like, yeah. and uh, Brett was just, like, this is him at the height of his powers. I, 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 I find it hard to say anything negative about it at all. Like he's just, it's so good. Mm. Yeah, no, I um, agree. Is there anything else you want to add for that? No, no, that's everything. That, yeah, let's move on to the old, to the last match. So the last match is uh, maybe one that's less talked about uh, in terms of the pantheon of uh, Bret Hart matches. Uh, but it's Bret Hart versus the One Two Three Kid from an episode of Raw in 1994, um, which I remember watching this because I think this is around the time we started getting uh actual like highlights uh yeah. ver- hi- like edited highlights of raw as opposed to just wwf mania on a friday night with todd pettingill um which was awful um so this was this was i do remember watching this on tv and thinking this was absolutely incredible as a kid and it yeah it bloody well holds up now yeah this i, rem- um, I remember this vividly because i remember like i think I, I'm going to say I almost was at the point of crying, but I probably actually did cry. The fact that the one, two, three kid did not win this. So. Yeah. Uh, but you've like, 
to be fair, I mean, and we'll get to it in a second, but I mean, I would say one of the things I've written down is that at the end, even though I was watching, you know, I knew the result. Towards the end, like before, I, I started to believe that he might actually win. Yeah, and they did such a good job of that. He's such a good underdog. To be fair, Sean Waltman is, is yeah is so good here. It's it's so good to see him before crack. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. Like, <laughs> and, you know, like, I, I know. Like to be fair to him, he seems like he has like he uh, he recent. I read recently he's um he's just finished the treatment. He's now free of hepatitis, which is great. Hey, uh, apparently he's healthy again. Like and he's like he's doing really well now. By the sound of things, that's uh, good. He's another one who had some help from DDP. By the sound of it, um, but yeah, like uh, like for, he had a he's had a very troubled life. Uh, yeah, as you can imagine. Um, a lot of broken people end up in wrestling. Uh, yeah, and then uh, it doesn't help. Yeah, yeah, it's not, it, especially then. Uh, but let's move on to, let's not dwell on that too much. Yeah, <laughs> no, uh, let's not. not uh, I've got some notes about this, so I'll go through some of them. Um, the first thing I wrote down is, good Lord, there are some haircuts in that audience. Oh, boy. 1994. I mean, oh, Including now. his. <laughs> yeah, you know yeah, what? No, it is Mullet City. Mullet City. Another thing about that audience, and it's the thing you don't see these days, is how high pitched it was. How many children and how oh, many yeah. women were in the audience, and how many of them wanted or one, two, three kids to win. And I, I think that's kind of a sad thing that it's not like that anymore, in a way. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, I, I agree. Um, I thought I wrote down that uh, Macho Man Randy Savage, who would shortly depart for WCW after this. Um, I thought he actually did a reasonably good job as a commentator. Yeah, which I was surprised that because I thought it would be terrible. No, me too. He was kind of like, there was a point where I was like, this is, you kind of remind, it's like a more coherent Booker T. It's kind yeah. of, it's no, kind of great. that's a very good comparison. But with a lot more funny say. lines, like when he was like, JR, uh, JR was like, would you have shown that type of sportsmanship? He's like, no way, I'd be in the showers getting ready to party. And I was thinking <laughs> with hookers and cocaine, presumably. <laughs> but, yeah. I, I laughed at that as well. It's a, it's a great line. Um, I, uh, I've written down also, uh, the one, two, three kid, uh, has the most generic music I've ever heard. He's so, the thing is with him, right? Was he like, was it an afterthought? Was it an accident that he, that they decided to to do something with this kid? Because he, he seemed like a Gary blue pants. Cause that's, that's the thing when I remember, was this match before the razor Ramon one or was it, um, this is well after that. So this that would have been, been about a year or just over a year earlier. Yeah. He came out and he just so, seemed like a Gary Blue Pants, and then you're like, "Whoa, well, what's this? Who's this Gary Blue Pants doing stuff?" But, that's, but they must have the idea, known. Though. Yeah, yeah. He was supposed to be kind of the everyman underdog because he was the skinny kid who got the upset wins over you know, Razor Ramon and then T- Ted DiBiase and a few others, and him and him and uh, Marty Jannetty won the tag titles. God, that's yeah. not somebody who should have been hanging around with. Uh, <laughs> hey, kid. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, thank you. Let's not say anything else because again, I don't want to get sued. But uh, if if you're interested, go and have a look at Marty Jannetty's Facebook. It's it's a it's a dumpster fire. Uh, yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. So uh, uh, yeah. I'm also, I wrote down, and, and I think this is something that uh, you know. Again, I know we talk about childhood memories and stuff being brought back by different things here. Uh, the entrance way, you know, that multicolored flashing light. I love that. Way. Oh my god, that's awesome! Like, if I won the lottery. I want that like in, inside my front door. Like I, I thought I want. Like, good lord! Like it's it's the it's the coolest thing. Yeah, um, I loved it. So good. Yeah, uh, I, I, that brought back so many memories. Yeah, it, like I I remember thinking when he when he came through and and Bret Hart's entrance with the with the lights and stuff. I was thinking it's kind of like lo-fi. It's not as fancy as some of the other stuff, but it looks amazing. So um, oh, yeah. yeah. Yeah, really like that. You know, yeah, it lacks you know the HD and all the rest of it, and some of the you know the pizzazz of, of nowadays. But for for sh- like, you can't beat flashing lights. No, sometimes you, can't. you can try. Sometimes you can't. Like you can try with your LEDs and your fancy graphics and the rest of it. Sometimes just flashing lights is quite impressive. Flash, exactly. Ask my kids. They or my kid, <laughs> or my secret kids that I don't tell anyone about. But ask my kid. They love that. <laughs> they love the flashing lights. So yeah. I I, I had a same same with mine uh, just before Christmas she went absolutely mental for christmas lights because just flashing lights it's like the coolest thing they've ever seen it's great exactly yeah exactly right um so yeah um i also uh oh we got a brief cameo from owen hart at the beginning uh mm. who uh is a, a peak shit stirrer uh yeah. levels uh, <laughs> around this sort of time it's lovely um, and yeah the match so itself much. you know 
Oh, I did too. I hate him as a kid, uh, yeah. which is why he's such a good heel. Yeah, yeah. Um, although I I grew to respect him a couple of years later because there was a period of time where he was on commentary uh, while he was um, he had a broken arm, uh, and uh, I think it's King of the Ring 1996, and I'll never forget this. There was a match. Uh, Goldust was like doing some of his. Um, slightly more risque stuff, you know, kind of touching up his opponent and the rest of it. Uh, and halfway through the match, Owen Hart says, now, see, I would never do that. I just don't think there's time for fondling. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know why. That always sticks with me. It's just such a great line. Like, it's such a shit stirrer. Um, yeah, like, so the match itself, uh, obviously, is very technical. Bret Hart is very physical and snug looking, despite the fact yeah. that he's, he pulled all his punches. He, so is so Sean. Sean, oh yeah, yeah. Definitely. He hits him with some. He hits him square in the face with a with a drop kick in the corner, and yeah, he he goes for it as well. Oh yeah, yeah. That looks really rough. That looks really really painful. <laughs> yeah, right in the face. Um, uh, but yeah, like it, it, like I thought the one two three kick gets a lot. Like he's given a lot of offense, despite the fact that he's essentially a you know a lower lower mid card wrestler who's you know the plucky underdog against the, the world champion. Like he gets mm. a lot of offense. Um, and I thought they told, told a really good story with the, you know, the veteran who, you know, had to, you know, at the beginning maybe wasn't taking him too seriously, but then had to be on his toes because actually this kid's really good. And then, you know, as the veteran takes over, the kid, you know, won't give up like no matter what until obviously eventually gives up uh, right at the end. But yeah, it's, it's, um, it's great. Um, the, the dusty finish in the middle was unnecessary, I thought. I don't think that added anything. Yeah, well, with the, with his leg up in it and all of that stuff. And, yeah, I don't think that that added much. I think it was just to show how good a guy Bret Hart was. Yeah, I guess so. I guess yeah, so. It, yeah. Um, I've so about but, that I mean, as well. Yeah. Um, I thought Jim Ross was very good on commentary. Mm. Did some really good job with like selling the importance of it all and how close it was. Um, oh, yeah. Also, uh, for 1994... A fucking cannonball to the outside, like over the top rope and to the outside, was fucking insane. That is hey. that is like the sort of shit you'd be seeing in Lucha Libre around this time, like nowhere else. Like, it's I guess that's what's so exciting about him, though, wasn't it? It was kind of, um, yeah, like that was so exciting about the whole one, two, three kid thingy. <laughs> Absolutely. Um, yeah, I mean, uh, I think that's probably most of my notes. Just that I thought Brett was superb here, really carried the majority of it. He's, he's again, he just looks so crisp. Everything he does feels important and like it has purpose and like there's a there's a psychological thought behind it. Like it's all very, yeah. uh, like it's it's very deliberate. But everything, every little move, every gesture has some weight behind it, and it's it's just he's he's so good here. Yeah. Um, yeah, sure. uh, and I thought the finish with with the one two three kid taking the big risk off the top and then getting caught with the sharpshooter, I uh, yeah, just brilliant, just absolutely fantastic. Yeah, some of the things I thought about this match while watching was just how good because most of the offense, or it just seems that a lot of this, I mean, obviously it was a showcase for the one two three kid rather than for Brett, so yeah. he spends a lot of time selling, but his selling is so good and like just kind of his mannerisms around the ring, he, he's just like there's something about him that I don't think anyone else has kind of like emulated. Um, he, you know what I mean? He has his very particular, yeah. very particular style, which is just so measured and so like he just seems like the ultimate professional everything he does like is is so good <laughs> it, it's um it's almost quite like like realistically like a realistic yeah. sportsman almost yeah that's exactly there's yeah. a real like legitimacy to it there's no random screaming or anything like that when he gets hit he kind of like hunches over and like sits there for a second like oh man my fuck my stomach is killing me you know what i mean like if you actually got punched like he, yeah. he doesn't like flop around and stuff it, it everything kind of seems real it was that was kind of one of the things i was most impressed with and and another thing i thought was interesting with the whole showman like with the whole sportsmanship angle as well was why it was just so weird that he became such a lame shitty heel because it's just i just don't think it's his character in wcw and it just reminded me like yes this is why yeah this is why we loved and hated him at the same time right he was the goody 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 two shoes but that was his character he was the overachiever he was the um teacher not teacher's pet but you know what i mean like he was the guy that did everything right and did everything by the book and like and people loved him for it but and yeah changing that in wcw uh, was yeah, it was such a shame. But yeah, this is this is a great match. This is a great match. And you know what's funny about these matches? 
the, the ones that we've seen so far is that we're not even scratching the surface <laughs> of the best oh, no. We're not even like, <laughs> you know what I mean? We haven't even scratched I, the surface. I thought about when I was when I was suggested the matches, I thought long and hard about like I was like, okay, well, I don't want to just go for like his biggest matches because also we're already watching several matches. I don't know if you know you want to necessarily sit through an hour long epic with Shawn Michaels <laughs> or whatever. Like, there's, there's lots of options available, but um, it occurred to me we should watch something probably maybe a slightly deeper cut along with one of the more obvious choices. But then I looked at his back catalogue of matches and you're like, shit, there's a lot of fucking deep cuts. There's a lot there. of good stuff, here, man. Yeah, like. <laughs> I mean, I almost, I almost plumped for, and we might look at this in the future. Um, there's a match I remember really fondly from one of the In Your House pay-per-views, uh, hmm. where he's having a random match against uh, Jean-Pierre Lafitte, oh, uh, who would uh, later on go to be PCO uh, in more recent years. He's still wrestling in, our, in Ring of Honor now. Oh um, wow! Oh, uh, as a very different character. He's no longer a pirate. He's, uh, I think, he's a reanimated uh, Frankenstein type. Character. Okay, very cool. Well. So he's, uh, he's got, yeah, he's got a niche. It works, right? And. Like it's all over the fact that this pirate guy stole his jacket. <laughs> okay, so we have all a match right. over that, but it's really good. That's, um, that's some indie wrestling. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, like it's it's uh, there's something about about yeah that might be a match we look at in the future. But there's so many good Bret Hart matches. Like there's there's there is like no shortage. So yeah, um, that's something I'm very excited about. Uh, if if he does progress, uh, which uh, he might, uh, we'll see. Um, <laughs> yeah, one, one other thing I just wanted to add. Yeah, um, just one other thing I wanted to add is that um, despite how good this match was, opposite the hard camera, unfortunately, there was there was two kids having this amazing time. And their dad was just sitting there every five minutes, taking like bits of paper out of his pocket and having a look at them. <laughs> he was in the front row, and it's just it's something wonderful about watching like this like really bored dad who's just there with his kids. And I'm, I don't know why he just kept making me laugh. Looking at his betting slips, like, <laughs> I wonder if the horse is like, through. <laughs> get out of here! Will this end? Jeez, I hate these kids. You know. <laughs> yeah, why, why are these two grown men touching each other? Huh. I haven't had a drink for ages. <laughs> <laughs> It's got to be over. five o'clock somewhere. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, um, have you got anything else you want to add about that match? No, nah, no. Nah, good match. The... Let's do the scores. Let's drop some scores uh, yeah. on a bitch. All right. Okay. So uh, we, uh, as always, are judging on five categories. We've got in-ring ability, charisma slash overness, star power, versatility, and storytelling. So for in-ring ability, uh, what would you go for for Bret Hart? Uh, I think that is definitely... We're doing out five, right? So I think it's definitely five. a five. He's a five. Yeah. Or maybe a six five. or a seven. I, I'm also going five because <laughs> it's the biggest possible score we can give him. Yeah. Um, it doesn't get bigger. Charisma than. slash overness? Um, mm, that's an interesting one. I mean, I'm going to be five. He's the most, he was the most over at... At that time, right for a long period yeah, of time, I would agree with that. Although I, I think he's sorry, go ahead. His his charisma on the microphone is sometimes something that people yes. stick to beat Brett with. However, I think if you go back and watch some of his promos, they're actually really good. Yeah, and what they're he does not... in the ring is yeah. unbelievable. That's where the charisma yeah. shines for him. So absolutely, absolutely, he's got maximum score so far, by the way, which is crazy. Yeah, I mean, uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, star power, and again, like, uh, yeah. Has to be five, right? Yeah, I'm going to go four only because based on those matches, I would say that maybe just fractionally, uh, the um, the bulldog was a bigger star in the match there. Uh, you know what? I'm going to give him a four. You know what? I think you're right. I'm, you know, no, no. Yes, yes, yeah. Four is good. Four is good. I think four is good. I'm going to. Did you want to go four on that one? Yeah, I'm going to copy you for that one. I think four is good. Okay. okay, that's fine. Uh, versatility. Uh, I'm, so this is where I'm going to say a three because I think he's a rubbish heel. See, I'm going to go five. I'm going to diverge with you here because I think oh. that he's so good at playing a subtle heel while still being a babyface and like layering in so much other stuff that I think I think I'm going five. But yeah, like that's fine. That's fine. We've, we've, we're um, and storytelling. Oh, that's a five, man. <laughs> yeah, it's really hard. Just based on these matches, it's really hard not to just go for that. That is a big old score. Uh, if you could just uh, just fill for a second, I'll just top those up. Hello, guys. My name is Daniel the Quebec and Bowler, and I'm filling time for Thomas. Hey, I should probably think of some better fill to do uh, when these <laughs> things happen. I should have like a fill. Uh, I- I'm done. It's fine. It okay, there you go. Hey, uh, it's good filling. <laughs> now, if you like my filling, please tweet me and let me know what you think. <laughs> <laughs> right. 
Right. Uh, in ring ability for Diamond Dallas Page. I'm going to give him a three. I, I, I'm going to go with a four, but I think a three is also a fair score. He's While I love what he does, he's not necessarily the most gifted. And maybe that's part of coming to it when you're 35. Like, it's, yeah. it's uh, it'll be hard to pick that up. And, and before and yoga. Chris. Yeah, true, true. Um, charisma slash overness. Uh, I'm going to say that's a... Oh, charisma, charisma slash overness. Oh, that's an interesting one. Ooh. He was super over in his time, but I'm going to dock points for when he was at, for when he was in um, uh, WWE. Um, and also, there were times at w, in the WCW where he wasn't as over. So I'm going to say three as well. I think he was... I've, I've he was, gone for four there, but yeah. only because I think he was massively over if you look at the, the match with uh, Brett or the match with uh, Savage. But I don't think he's that over in that match with... Um, uh, with Sting, I think the crowd were baying for his blood because they didn't want him to win to compete yeah. with the title. Because it's an interesting one. Because, Sorry, I don't on. know whether because Sting, Sting was a bigger star in that match, or if mm. it was just that they didn't. I don't think it worked as a heel for him. Like I no, don't think no. the, the gimmick works. It's so, funny because you say charisma slash overness, but he has all, charisma is the main thing that he did have. He was. But was he over? With, yeah, exactly. So yeah, that's that's why I'm going to give the three. That's fair. Um, star power. Um, star power. I think it's an, a three as well. I'm I'm going to go for a five there because uh, oh, yeah? I think actually I think I think in those um those matches the Spring Stampede match especially he was so over but he was also he just seemed like the biggest star in the world by the end of that match to me so I I, I think that's a, a five for me. Okay. Uh, versatility. Uh, I'm going to say a two. I'm also going for a two. <laughs> <laughs> Because once you've seen one DDP match, it feels like <laughs> while he's very good, you've sort of seen them all. Yeah. And you know what, right? If anyone thinks it sounds like I hate DDP, I DDP is actually one of my favorite wrestlers of all time. He was my guy. It was him and Goldberg when I watched WCW. So I'm just I mean, I'm just trying to be I'll objective. Be I think I think we're being objective here, but I think part of the reason that DDP probably made it onto this list in the first place is because we're both quite fond of him from that period exactly, of time. Exactly. He's a cult he's a cult like, hero. Yeah, like and this is, you know, like these score these aren't bad scores. These are these are just like comparatively to Bret Hart, they're bad scores. But I mean that's yeah. that's I would I would say you've got to make Bret Hart, depending on who he faces in the in the further rounds and stuff, one of the the favorites going into this oh yeah like, straight up like ddp is never I mean, going to beat bret hart it just it's just you know what i mean this is the first seed versus the eighth seed this is not happening yeah i mean it was unlikely yeah. uh let's let's finish up so and see if there's an unlikely comeback um storytelling uh storytelling i'm gonna give a three as well because he he you know he told the same story over and over again it was a great I, story i agree yeah I'm, I'm very much in agreement there. Um, just if you could fill for time while I uh, while I add yeah, top up the so, scores. Um, guys, uh, I hope you're all doing well out there. Uh, you should uh, make sure you check out the at WrestleCube Instagram feed. Um, we, we, we're going to try and put up some more stuff on there. I've finished doing the trading cards now, or at least for Okada. I'm going to try and get some more of those up. And yeah, I know we've been promising it for a while, but Thomas mentioned the WCW Thunder video game. So at some point we're going to do some wrestling video game stuff. So, uh, maybe we'll start with a podcast or something and then work our way into some video content. Uh, not sure what we're going to do on the Facebook and Twitter feeds because it takes a lot of time to, to do all of this stuff for Instagram and then make it into different um what you call it different formats but uh hopefully at some point we'll be able to figure out some kind of i mean way of doing all of we it. could probably just link to the yeah instagram from from yeah. twitter and facebook so yeah <laughs> if, if, maybe there's some kind of automated way of sorting this out but yeah we'll, we'll see you never know maybe maybe uh if if uh if i'm awake for the royal rumble i might, yeah. I might do a little live tweeting you never know exactly exactly that might be fun expect that uh, kind of thing um yeah, that's more what we're going to use Twitter for. And Facebook, uh, when I remember, I'll put things on there. Yeah. Basically. <laughs> a YouTube will come we're not really taking this. Yeah, we have got a YouTube channel with this. Uh, it's not really, the only video on there currently is uh, is me doing the draw for this, which um, you can go back and watch if you really want to. But, I mean, it's, it's just a man briefly in a Lucha Libre mask who then gets too hot because it was a bit warm <laughs> uh, and, then, and then reads out some names. Oh, so, I have to talk you know, to you about the air fryer, by the way, Thomas. But maybe that's why, oh. we, maybe that's why we leave him Yeah, there. sorry. I, uh, I, uh, I may I may have thought we just needed something new on the Instagram feed, so I just put up a picture of what no, I was cooking in my air fryer. I've just got an air fryer, uh, and literally my life 
life has changed. So, oh, okay. we'll talk about this off air. Yeah, I, yeah. I, I, <laughs> Sorry, guys. I, I'll, I'll invite you to a group on Facebook that's quite annoying, but is filled with air fryer based recipes. So, excellent. excellent. Uh, yeah. we'll Recipe sponsored by air frying. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. Um, so, uh, the final scores are in. Um, right. It's not really that dramatic at this point. Uh, the uh, Diamond Dallas Page finished with a score of 32 out of 50. Respectable. And Bret Hart finished with a score of 46 out of 50. Yep, that's really, yeah, is, pretty good. <laughs> pretty yep, good score. Yep, that's uh, going to take some beating. Um, uh, luckily, we, we do these scores mostly based on the matches we've seen. Yeah. So as we go through further matches, depending on who he's matched up with, uh, I can't actually remember. But um, yeah, we'll we'll we'll, uh, we'll see. But, his um, score yeah. will only increase because his matches <laughs> get better. <laughs> Well, hopefully we'll find, we'll find I tr- I'm trying to make the matches equal so that yeah. like when we this one was difficult I will admit but um, mm. I'm trying to make the matches kind of equal quality so that at least there's some contest there mm. uh, unfortunately this week I think was always going to be a bit of a no contest but yeah, yeah like um, like fair play to, to Bret Hart for being the best there is the best there was and the best there ever will be it's it's quite it's quite an apt moniker so well done Bret well, good, well good on you Bret and uh, DDP uh, and DDP commiserations, but you know, like it, it was pretty good. And also, you've still got yoga. Exactly, and he can go, you know, you know, open up the old porn hub and have a self high five with himself to make himself feel better. <laughs> yeah, wait, right. he's that joke all day. Yeah. <laughs> all right. Um... <laughs> yes, uh, that was this week's <laughs> the most uh, recent King of Cube. Um, uh, G1 Cube Max, uh, uh, Wrestle Cubed them, uh, uh, the, the, uh, champions cubable. Um, <laughs> um, yeah, right. Um, uh, sorry, that's really thrown me. <laughs> that was the plan. That was the plan, Thomas. Uh, yeah. Um, yeah. So, um, uh, obviously you can catch us, uh, on, uh, uh, Wrestle Cube, at Wrestle Cube on Twitter, at Wrestle Cube on Instagram. Uh, where Daniel's been doing some wonderful work uh, on Instagram and it's a bit more of that because it's, it's um, really go, go and give it a like because it, it's it's he's doing some fantastic work for it. Thanks, uh, man. Uh, they're, uh, they're really lovely. Um, especially, yeah, I've seen some some uh, some bits and pieces today and I'm yeah absolutely bowled over. It's so good. Um, I'm, I'm not really sure what I'm bringing to the table here, but other than weird wrestling knowledge, but uh, it's fine. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> we, um, anyway, right. So we're also uh, facebook.com slash WrestleCube. You can find us wherever you're listening to this now. And of course, wherever you normally get your podcasts, uh, you know, Apple, uh, Google, Stitcher, Spotify. We're, we're, and of course, soundcloud.com slash WrestleCube if you want to go to the mothership. Um, yeah, yeah. And um, we will be back again soon. Um, I have a feeling the next episode might not necessarily be a first round match for this. We might have a talk about something else, but we'll mm-hmm, be something mm-hmm. to discuss that um and yeah um uh i've been tom mimler and i've been self high five uh daniel akimbola <laughs> <laughs> uh, and uh so long folks cube bang